It's time for Illini Pella Saturday Sports Talk on News Talk 1400, WDWS Champaign-Urbana, where we talk all things Illini along with other area national sports. Join the program by calling 217-356-9397 or send a text to the Castle Heating and Cooling text line 217-351-5357. You can also email us at talk at wdws.com. Now, here are your hosts, Lauren Tate and Steve Kelly. Good morning, sports fans, and welcome to Illini Pella Saturday Sports Talk with you until 11 o'clock. It is 9.01 right now, 356-9397 is the phone number if you'd like to join us. Plenty of basketball to talk about. Five Big Ten games on the schedule today. The Illini, of course, play tomorrow at Iowa, Super Bowl Sunday, number 19 Illinois against number 18 Iowa at 12 noon. The Illini basketball team getting set to practice this morning before taking the short flight over to Iowa City to get ready for that game. We'll talk about all of that coming up. Mr. Tate is in the house. How are you doing, Coach? Well, I'm doing good. You know, Iowa's been a pain. Iowa has been a pain. For a long time. And, and I, last year we went over there, and, and I'm telling you, they hit 15 out of 21 threes and just blew They scored 95 points against Illinois over there. And then in the, in the tournament, it was embarrassing in Chicago. I mean, uh, I think uh, Bear, uh, Nicholas Bear, reserve for them, had 23 points in the second half alone. Of course, they had Garza and Cook and Bohannon in. Uh, both of uh, the last two are gone. Bohannon's gone uh, for the season. And, and, of course, Cook turned pro and, and Moss transferred to Kansas. I thought, this team will be down this year. They lost three of their top four players. Garza is the only one of the top four players that's back with Bohannon out. But Wieskamp's played well, and Fredericks played, uh, freshman Fredericks played really well, and, and Garza's simply become unstoppable. He's the Big Ten Player of the Year, don't you think? Oh, yeah. Yes. Maybe first-team All-American. Yes. A- at this point, they got, you know, mid, we're just midway through right. the Big Ten season. Now, I haven't seen anybody figure out a way to stop him, although Maryland got a break in the, in the last game uh, – and Maryland's got a, a good, strong center in Smith, Jalen Smith. But they got two fouls on Garza early, and that just kind of fouls things up for Iowa. They need Garza in there all the time. He can shoot threes. He can shoot jumpers. He can, and, of course, with his back to the basket, he spreads out. I don't know how you keep him from getting the ball. Yeah, they dropped a 10-game decision or 10-point decision at Maryland on a Thursday night, so they're coming off a loss. Illinois riding a seven-game winning streak. They'll be an underdog in this ballgame. I haven't seen the line on it yet, but uh, tough place to go to play, as is just about anywhere in the Big Ten. Well, you got to give uh, Iowa credit for bouncing back this year with those big uh, personnel losses. And, and um, you know, they, there's a certain feeling that you get with the McCaffrey team that they're loose when it comes to shooting. They don't ever tighten up. They're just they're going to come down. They're going to fire. They're going to shoot threes. And they're shooting uh, 37% on threes. Steve, let me tell you about Illinois threes. Illinois is shooting, for the season, about 31%. There are 350 teams in the NCAA, 350. Guess where Illinois stacks up approximately? 280. In other words, there's roughly 280 teams shooting better from the three than Illinois is. And it's even worse if you just take Big Ten games. They're only shooting 28% in the Big Ten, approximately. Right. So... 
I mean, Illinois has got to hit some baskets. They got to, they they need hits from outside. Maybe they'll get a you know get some help from Griffin. But just remember, Griffin has missed. First of all, he had three points in consecutive games. Then he then he was thrown out of the Purdue game. Then he's had two games where he hasn't played. So in the last five games, he's been a very little help offensively. Good rebounder, but very a little help offensively. For some reason, he's just been in a kind of a slump. That's a big stat. I think a bigger stat, though, is the other side of that, and Illinois' defense on the threes. Oh, yes. Opponents are only averaging 27% in Big Ten play, 32% on the season. That's a big key. And three out of 19 the other day, uh, that, that'll that help you any time you, you can hold a team just to three field goals out of uh, 19 shots. That That's a lot of uh, wasted shots. And... Uh, that's why Illinois, uh, you know, that's why Illinois was able to get through against Minnesota and, and win the game. And and uh, I think defense, 57, what was it, 57, 50, 59, 51. Mm-hmm. And when you win a game like that, obviously the defense is the key. Bumped into Brad Underwood yesterday over at the basketball office. And he walked in and uh, gave me a high five and said, wasn't that, uh, what'd you think that, that game last night? Wasn't that ugly? I said it was beautifully ugly. <laughs> that's, that's a good way of putting it. <laughs> beautifully ugly. I don't think there's anything really a, an ugly win when you stop and look at what you got to do to get wins these days. But uh, even though the teams weren't shooting well, we watched it from courtside. I, I just, I enjoyed watching a game like that. It was a, just like a throwback Big Ten game. You know, and the game had different, um, there was, it changed there was a long stretch of defense, but late in that game, Illinois simply couldn't stop them from scoring. Demiro was scoring, and and Otero was. I, every time they threw the ball to Otero, I, I you know I was afraid they were going to score, and they did a lot. Uh, there was a little spurt there where both teams kind of scored. They well, Illinois had that ten point lead, and and of course Minnesota cut it right through it and got back within one point. And uh, I thought the the in, inserting. Uh, uh, Williams uh, late in the ball game uh, in place of Georgie was a big factor because they needed to, they needed to get more defense in there and and he gave him that he stopped the mirror he blocked his shot remember that that block shot was huge because the game was very close at that point and they did pull away at the end with uh, free throws and by the way did you know Felice scored twelve of the last twenty five points for Illinois almost half of the points down the stretch the last twenty five points that was Felice. I like him in the game. I like him. I guess if I had to pick, I like him in the role that he's in now. I'd like. You know, I got no problem with him starting, but I like him coming off the bench, providing that energy that he does and the angles that he gets in mm-hmm. driving to the basket because and he doesn't. Pu- he doesn't jump that high. He's not well, a great leaper. He's got a great pull up. He does. I mean, he's going real hard, and all of a sudden he just pulls up and just lays up that little soft runner. And he's got that upper body strength that he could take a hit. He oh could, yeah. He could take a bump and. Yeah. Uh, not throw him off much. So, interesting uh, team to watch, no doubt. Do you have any comments on the seven-game winning streak and what you think might happen tomorrow? Give us a call at 356-9397. I ask you about Luca Garza and being the Big Ten Player of the Year. Certainly, he is at the halfway point, provided uh, the, something weird doesn't happen, like he gets hurt or anything. Here's a tougher question for you. Who's the Big Ten Coach of the Year? At the oh, halfway I, point. I can't do that. I mean, I, I would say McCaffrey's right there. I would say uh, Steve Peichel's I, right I there. I would say, yeah, absolutely. And I would say Brad Underwood's right there. Yeah, all three of them. Yep. It may you just know, what, what's, what's really interesting about the season is that you just mentioned uh, the coaches who have brought their teams up, and the teams that were used to being up 
I mean, how many times, you know, has Purdue been up there? How mm-hmm. many times has Wisconsin been up there? How Ohio many times State. has Michigan been up there? You know, they've all come down to the pack. They've come down to the pack. These schools like Illinois and, and Rutgers have come up in the pack. And what we have is a, <laughs> a big pack right in the middle. And I don't know, uh, you know, unless Michigan State makes a really strong run, I would not think that there would be any team in the top eight when it comes to seeding time. And that really causes real problems for the Big Ten. And it's, it's good and bad because they're going to be playing each other. You can't avoid it. When you, if you're going to have 10 or 11 teams in the, in the tournament it's unavo- and they're all about the same value, then they're going to be playing each other early in the term. Not in the first round, but probably all, as early as the second and, and, and certainly the third, which is good in the sense that some of them are going to advance, but some of them, you, you know, they're going to be playing each other. It's right. going to be a, a, just a dogfight in there with the Big Ten teams. I've seen some bracketology. Some have 12 teams in the uh, tournament field for the NCAA. Some have 10. I saw one that had uh, Wisconsin and Purdue both out. Uh-huh. Well, I... I think it obviously uh, they're on the bubble. I mean, they're 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 riding a very, you know, they have to win games, and and uh, the the thing about it is you don't lose an awful lot when you when you play another team from that's ranked. Uh, but I I don't know I don't know I I'm not sure what's going to happen with Wisconsin. They've got some internal problems that are are just really bad. I mean King. King was the player of the year in the state of Wisconsin as a high school player. He, he redshirted, played last year. Of course, he's playing this year. He's their number two scorer. And for him to just it, not only leave the team, if you leave the team and don't say anything, that's one thing. But if you leave the team, you say, I can't stand playing for guard anymore. <laughs> I mean, coach, you know, it drives me crazy. I can't play for him. Well, then that adds to the uh, feeling among some Badger fans that they don't have the right coach. And there's been a lot of unhappiness with him. Yep. <clears throat> so you've got that, and you've got the Davison thing, which, of course, is going to be short-term. Purdue's only a game above 500, and Wisconsin's not much more than that. So yep. they've, they've got some work to do. On the uh, Big Ten schedule today, Indiana plays at Ohio State at 11 o'clock. Go Buckeyes. thing to watch is you're going to rattle these games off, I think. There's going to be a bunch of road wins today. Yep, that could be one. I think. I think you got the best teams are, I mean, the home teams in these games are all going to be in jeopardy. Yeah, but you want to root for all of them, too. All yeah. the home teams, I mean. Uh, well, you, not all of them. Well, <laughs> well yeah, 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 you're Michigan right. Michigan State you're plays right. at Wisconsin. Yeah, no, you're right. But I'm saying tomorrow we don't. Oh, no, no, exactly. <laughs> I'm talking about two days. Right. Tomorrow's a different right, story. Right. Only one game on the schedule tomorrow. But Indiana plays at Ohio State. Michigan State ranked 14th is at Wisconsin. That's been... Kind of a bugaboo place over the years for Tom Izzo, but I don't think it will be today. Well, Wisconsin is is hurting. Although I think, uh, I have to look it up. You can look it up. No, I'll look it up. I think Illinois is still the only team to beat Wisconsin in Madison in the Big Ten so far this season. Rutgers, 25th, plays at Michigan tomorrow. It would be nice to see Michigan rise up and win one at home, wouldn't it? Yep. 24, Penn State is at Nebraska Actually, that Michigan game is today. So is the uh, Penn State-Nebraska game at 6, and then Purdue plays at Northwestern tonight at 8. I could see everyone yeah. uh, winning, but we've seen that that has not been the case. It is. And I forget what the number is. It was 52 and 16, is it? Yes, after the other. After 52 and 16. Yeah. 52 wins at home and 16 <laughs> 
<laughs> I'm telling you, it's it's amazing. Now I'm trying to write a column tomorrow about why why the the, the road teams have so much trouble, and a lot of it comes back. You know, everybody says it's it's the three blind mice. I mean, you know, <laughs> you, know, you know, it's it's those zebras out there. They can't make, but the game can't be officiated. It's impossible, and so I think a lot of it is just the fact that. Uh, Steve Bardo mentioned the other night that there's been 46 consecutive years that the Big Ten has led in, in attendance, and I think that when you everywhere you go, you just get hooted out of the gym. You know, they're just they're lined up, and and, and there's, psychologically, that's got to affect players. Richard Pitino was asked about that about the atmosphere the other night at yeah. the State Farm Center. He says, "Yeah, it was good," but he said it's that way every night, everywhere oh, you go. Absolutely, it, it's it's not any better at. I mean, Indiana and Purdue are just. Fierce and Michigan State has become that way because of the, their their success over the years. I mean, when you're so successful, uh, fans are going to show up. And of course, now Rutgers has got that little gym. They're 15 and 0 at home. Yes, they are. And uh, you know they're they're just impossible to deal with right now at home. And I don't know. You know, it's it's there's no place you can go hardly that uh, that you don't have a real problem there with the fans. A couple of other notes on this Saturday morning, February first, the Illini women's basketball team in action tomorrow, Super Bowl Sunday at the State Farm Center against Wisconsin at two o'clock. Wrestling last night, number fifteen Illinois beat Michigan State eighteen to twelve, winning the uh, final two matches in the final two bouts in that uh, match last night uh, to post an 18-12 to win over the Spartans. The Illini 6-3 on the season, 3-2 and in the Big Ten in wrestling. They take on Northwestern tomorrow at 1 at home. Tough night for the uh, men's tennis team, losing at Duke 6-1. to The Illini men's team is now 1-2 and on the season. Illinois men's golf playing today against Illinois State in the uh, Tenervin Cup down in Florida. The women's golf team will open up at the UCF Challenge in Florida Sunday through Tuesday. Men's track participating at the Indiana Relays, swimming at the uh, UIC Diving Invitational. Men's gymnastics is at Nebraska. Of course, there's a football game tomorrow. We could talk more about that later on as well. Kansas City and San Francisco. Yeah, we got Will Leach uh, right down there in Miami. He's going to give us a firsthand report. Here's a lineup of our scheduled guests for this morning coming up after our first break. We'll talk more Illinois basketball with Illini assistant coach Chin Coleman. At 8.30, Scott Docterman, who covers the Iowa Hawkeyes for the Athletic in Iowa City, will join us to uh, talk about uh, Luca Garza and the rest of the uh, Hawkeyes. At 9.45, former Illini and uh, Illini Hall of Famer Kendall Gill will check in with us. We'll talk some Illinois basketball with him and obviously touch on Kobe Bryant a little bit, too. He had a chance to play against Kobe in his career. 10 o'clock, it'll be Will Leach. And at 10.30, David Kidwell, longtime sports information director at Eastern Illinois University, will join us. Kind of talk about the EIU-NFL connection. And beyond that, there's a Super Bowl connection, obviously, with uh, Jimmy Garoppolo there. Mike Shanahan had some Super Bowl wins. And there's some other interesting EIU ties to professional football. All that is coming up. The phone line is open, 356-9397. And Lanai Pella Saturday Sports Talk continues after this. Join us for the Brad Underwood Radio Show, Monday night, Papadell, 7 to 8. We'll take a look back at the Iowa game. Look forward to the game with Maryland. Coming up Monday night at 7. 
Talk to Illinois basketball now. Illini assistant coach Jen Coleman. Fun night Thursday night at the State Farm Center against Minnesota. That was a heck of a ball game that probably if you looked at the stat sheet, it wasn't too pretty, but uh, it certainly was a nice win. I've uh, been fortunate enough to be around some very wise men um, <laughs> as a young, young, young lad, as a basketball player, and as a coach. And a very wise man once told me there's no such thing as an ugly victory. They're all beautiful because at this level, they're all hard. Winning is hard. And, and, and when you win at this level, they're beautiful. You take them however you can get them because they're, they're all hard. It's really hard to win at this level. And so I'm one of, I've always uh, kept that sound advice with me so that when we, we have the opportunity to get a win, I, I love it just as much as anything, whether it's one point, uh, if you could win by point five of a point, I would be happy. It's, it's just hard to win at this level, and so there's no such thing as an ugly victory. You, if you get the irony behind sure. that, uh, ugly victory, there's no such thing as an ugly victory. All victories are beautiful. You talk about this level, but to take that a step further, in this league, how tough it is to uh, to win, not only on the road, which we'll talk about, but at home too. Yeah, um, this league is, is brutal. It's a uh, it, it, uh, it's a battlefield, and, and you and all teams that 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 are capable are just trying to survive on the battlefield. And um, right now, you know, it's still early. We're at the midpoint, so I can't say that it's early. We're at the midpoint of our season, and we're we're, we're happy with our accomplishments, but we're not satisfied. We feel like um, we can continue to get better. We we feel like we can continue to climb bigger mountains and. Uh, one of the things I said last time we played Michigan was um, we didn't come this far to come this far. We came this far to go further. We came this far to climb bigger mountains. Like once we accomplish one mountain, we want to climb bigger mountains. And 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 obviously that's something that the guys have kind of held on to, and, and, and we're just rolling right now. What do you attribute that to? There's a lot of things, obviously, but the defense it looks to me it's changed a little bit since December. That's one of the ways, right? Just the connectivity. Yeah. Our guys are really connected. Our locker room is, is is really together. I think that um, when you're playing for the guy to the right or the left of you, and when you when you know that person and you love that person, it's it's easy to to play for him. And and we've kind of tried to build our locker room with with covering for my brother and my brother's keeper, so to speak. And so that's kind of paid off for us. And uh, we weren't together early in the season like we are now we weren't we had to go through some things to get some things sometimes you got to go through some stuff to accomplish some stuff and so uh the things that we went through early in the season has got us to um where we are today so you know but we're going to go through some more stuff and it's going to continue to build character it's going to continue to uh, build us for for february and, and and mars this is a big month the month of february is when uh we, we, we tend to get stronger and, and, and play better where where a lot of teams tend to tail in. You know, they're, they're, some teams are happy and they're prepared for spring break and, and things of that nature. And so us, we're, 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 we're built for the, for the long haul of the season. And that's why last year, I don't know if you guys remember, we had a really good month of February because we keep pushing and we keep pushing. We keep pushing the envelope. We keep trying to find ways to get better. and and. That pays off for us. So this is a big month for us. We're excited about February. Visiting with Chin Coleman, talk a little bit about uh, the guard play of, of late with Io and and uh, Trent and uh, 
Feliz, of course, and, and DeMonte. That's really improved and uh, been impressive in my mind. Yeah, I, I was a, believe it or not, I was a, I was a good guard as a player. <laughs> and um, majority of coaches and majority of teams will go as their guards go. And uh, we, we like our, our guard core. Uh, if you can call our defensive back, so you got your defensive back group, you got your linebacker group. We like our guard group, and we think that we're going to go as far as they they take us. And when they're all clicking, we're really tough to beat because they're different. They're all different. Um, you got speed and IO and Trent. You got size and IO. You got uh, scoring ability from all three of them. You got passing ability from all three of them, and so. We, we, we're, we're excited about those three guys as far as leading us to, to where we ultimately can, can go. And they're not all the same guy. You know, they, they do some things equally well, but they do some individual things better. That that what makes them good for our core because they're not all the same. Right. And, and, and they bring something different to the table as, uh, as well as having some similarities and things of that nature. But they, they, they're, they're all different. They're all different in in terms of their personalities, it's just it's good to have a three-headed monster like that. And so when they're good, we're really good. Um, but we haven't had an opportunity for everybody to be clicking yet. So that's kind of like while we're still pushing the envelope, still challenging ourselves to get this this entire group to play well. And, and But we understand what we're doing right now. We're, we're finding ways to win different, you know what I mean? When you are finding ways to win in different ways, that's a team that is dangerous in, 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 in any tournament because we don't need to shoot the ball 50% from three or 45% from two in order to win basketball games. We are, we're finding different ways to win basketball games, and, and, and I think that that makes us dangerous. The next five games are all against ranked teams. I know you're not looking past Iowa Super Bowl Sunday. Talk about that challenge with the Hawkeyes. Iowa's a really good team. They're one of the fast-paced teams in, in, in the league. They're one of the um, um, offensively, their 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 offensive rate is one of the best teams in in the league. They shoot the ball tremendously well, um, and then arguably they have the best post player in the country in in Luca Garza. So they're um, they 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 put you in a in a pickle. You got to pick your poison, and we're okay with that. We got to decide uh, what it is we want to take away from them, and what of our controllables and and. Those are the, some of the things that we've been taking into each scout is things that we want to control and um, live with the results. And so we have a plan, and um, if the plan works or not works, we'll, we'll live with it. Talk about uh, Garza being one of the best big guys in the country in a league that has half a dozen really good guys. You saw one Thursday night in Otori. You've got one of your own in Kofi, and it's kind of the reemergence of the big guy in the Big Ten. Yeah, well— Everybody has one in this league. This is not uh, unlike the Big East and unlike some of these other leagues. You can play small and you can have a six-eight guy as your as your center. You can play a hybrid and you can kind of maybe play a little bit different in terms of a positionless. In this league, you have to have uh, a big guy because everybody has one, and if you don't have one, you're in trouble. And so, the skill set of all these bigs in our league is is just so unique and dynamic and. Uh, you got, like you said, Arturo last night. He's a 
He's a three-level scorer, and then you got Garza, who's a four-level scorer. He can score from three. He can score his back to the basket, mid-range. And he does a great job of putting fouls on people. So he's a four-way guy. And then you you, you, you still got Mike Watkins, who's a brute. And then you, 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 you got Smith at Maryland, who's, who is what he is. And then I think that the unsung big guy is Michigan State's Tillman. He's really good. And they talk a lot about these other guys, but... He's just low and steady and stays quiet and he just puts up numbers and they just win basketball games. So it's a fun league for the big guy. If I'm if I'm a big, this is where I want to play. I don't want to go to another league where and then I gotta chase around a little six, seven guys <laughs> playing the five. I wanna go play against guys that are like me. And so this league has a bunch of Let's talk about Kofi real quick. Uh, speaking of bigs and what you've seen in his progress so far in his freshman year. He still doesn't have a clue. Um, honestly he doesn't. He just He's learning every day, and he picks up something every day that we tell him, and he applies it. And from day to day, from game to game, he's picking up, and he's fouling things away. And um, he's going to be great. He's going to be great. He's he's a sponge. Uh, he wants to be good. He wants to win. He plays the right way. His, his character is in line. So we're excited to have him, excited to coach him. He's got a big-time challenge every night. And as a freshman, for a freshman, to step up to the plate every night with the challenges that he's had. So far, so good. He's done a good job, and it doesn't get easier for him these next five games. It's all big-time players that are that are high-level Big Ten basketball players that he's got to go head-to-head with, and we're going to support him. We're going to give him our knowledge and try to help him with these battles, and, and hopefully we'll, we'll, we'll come out on the, on the positive side of that. That's a lot. I assistant basketball coach Jim Coleman. Appreciate your time. Good luck against Iowa. Thanks. We're going to need it. Appreciate it. Shin's got the scout on the Iowa Hawkeyes tomorrow, so he's working on his pregame information there now and has been since about uh, 8 o'clock, 8.30, 9 o'clock Thursday this is night. the old story. says, you know, uh, don't walk him, but don't give him anything good. You know, right. with guards, it's like, well, you know, don't foul him and, and, and make sure he doesn't get the ball. <laughs> and, and, and at the same time, make sure they don't shoot any threes. Well, yeah, that's that gets into a what do you try to stop first. You know, you, you're likely to maybe not be able to stop it both for the whole game. So you pick your poison. Maybe maybe Garza gets him if you can stay out on those guys on threes. And I don't know. You, get, you know that during freshman they got Frederick that uh-huh. I didn't know anything about, C.J. Frederick. Is shooting forty-seven percent on threes. <laughs> you just can't let him shoot. No, nope. and he's home. Well, as we mentioned earlier, Illinois is doing a great job on three-point defense. They'll need to keep that up tomorrow in Iowa City. That game at noon. By the way, we were talking before uh, the Chin Coleman interview about uh, Wisconsin's home schedule in the Big Ten, and indeed, at this moment, it may change today. But uh, their only loss in the Big Ten at home is that seventy-one seventy. Illini win up there a couple of weeks ago. So it'll be interesting. They play Michigan State at noon today. We'll learn more about uh, the Iowa Hawkeyes when we come back as Scott Docterman will join us from Iowa City. Stay with us as we hit the bottom of the hour on Illini Pella Saturday Sports Talk. Back with more after this. It's Fighting Illini Men's Basketball on the road at Iowa on Super Bowl Sunday at noon. The tip-off will have Illini game day starting at 10.30 Sunday morning. More talk about that ball game coming up shortly. Illinois and Iowa tomorrow at noon right here. We're going to talk with Scott Docterman in just a moment in Iowa City. But Steve in Princeton's been hanging on. Steve, you're on the air with us. Go ahead. 
Go ahead, Steve. And, you know, with Davidson at Wisconsin and Griffin with Illinois, why does the conference have to suspend him? I figured Brad Underwood or Greg Gard would have a policy in place that would affect some kind of that behavior. Why did they make the conference suspend them? Well, if it had been up to the coaches, neither one would have suspended them. Neither one expected it. Certainly, uh, it went several days that the guard made it pretty clear that, that he didn't expect uh, Davidson to be suspended. And I don't, think that, uh, I don't think that Underwood would have done it. But anyway, this is the first, uh, these are first decisions by the new uh, uh, commissioner, Warren, and, and this is the direction he's going to go, and, he, and, you know, this is what they're going to do. And I think a lot of times these records, what it's when you play somebody. Now, mm-hmm. somebody that's playing Michigan without Simpson has got a better chance of winning. Indiana's got a good chance of winning at Ohio State today without D.J. Carton mm-hmm. taking the leave of absence. Yeah. So it's when you play somebody and who's playing. And Illinois, you know, somebody's going to beat Wisconsin now because they don't have Kobe King. He almost beat Illinois in that game. He had a tremendous game. Yeah, he did. That's right. Scott Dockerman, so, you got any comments on that? Oh, <laughs> yeah, you bet. Um, I guess I, at first I'd look at what Brad Davidson did, and he deserved to be suspended. I mean, you don't punch people in that location, but, you know, with an uppercut as you're trying to circle around them to beat a screen. That, that's something he's done before, and he deserved to be suspended. Uh, Greg Gard was not going to suspend him, so I thought it was right on that the, that the Big Ten decided to do that. And, as far as, uh, you know, and Michigan State's going to beat them no matter what. So that, that doesn't really matter, you know, as far as what's going on there. But, uh, you know, I, I do think uh, that this, this league right now is just incredibly balanced. And, uh, it, but it is interesting to see a little bit more of the road team starting to, to pick up some wins. I think you're starting to see a little bit of separation now. Scott Docterman uh, covers the Iowa Hawkeyes for the Athletic in Iowa City. You've been covering Iowa sports in one way or another. How long now, Scott? Uh, the last 15, you know, in, in this current era, and then also a few years in the 90s before I covered actually the Kansas City Chiefs during a, a pretty good era. Oh, we know who you're for <laughs> tomorrow, huh? Well, you know, I, I like the 49ers too because they have a few players I know, but I, I would say with as many uh, uh, friends of mine that are Chiefs fans and watch them suffer all those years, I, I'd be happy for them if they could pull out a win. Well, Scott, I'm going to ask you one of these weird questions. Uh, you're at Iowa. You're watching all that goes on there. Wrestling, which they just beat Penn State in a huge match. Uh, football, they're doing well there. Basketball. Which sport do Iowa fans love most? It's without question football. I mean, football is uh, the, straw, the straw that stirs the drink here. But one interesting aspect here that's unlike most of the states except for maybe Nebraska, is that there's nothing else. Uh, you know, there's no Chicago Bears or, or Green Bay Packers or Minnesota Vikings. So everything ra- uh, revolves around Iowa sports. So I think both basketball and wrestling fans are Iowa football fans. And the passion for that is, is probably the strongest. That said, uh, you know, wrestling, there's a higher standard of excellence expected. I mean, they're number one in the country. Now they've, you know, had, had a dynasty when Dan Gable was there. So if, if wrestling is, say, less than one, if they're second or third, that's, that's a very difficult situation for their fan base. But in basketball, very passionate. So, you know, right now it's interesting. I was at the wrestling duel last night. It was sold out. 
one of the loudest events I've ever been to. Tomorrow's basketball game is sold out against Illinois, and uh, and in football season, it generally is, is close to being sold out just about every time. So football's number one, but uh, I think everybody's pretty passionate about every sport here. Well, tell us about the, how do you make up for the losses of Moss and Bohannon and Cook and come back better than you were before? How do you do that? You know, I in some ways I think – and I, I hesitate to say this, but I think it might be addition by subtraction, at least with the case of uh, Moss and, and Cook, because I think Cook took a lot away from what Luca Garza could do in the post. And what we're seeing with Luca Garza, at least at Iowa, is kind of unprecedented, or you know, in several generations anyway. I mean, 23 points uh, a game. Now he's, he is the primary uh, scorer for the Hawkeyes, and they're going through him in every single facet. And when Tyler Cook was there, they didn't really do that. Now, Tyler Cook, talent-wise, really had no peer, but he was uh, he, he did kind of divide the, the, the number of touches. Now, you know, Isaiah Moss was so hot and cold. There were days where, I mean, I remember, I think it was in Minnesota, he scored 19 points in 90 seconds. And then there were days where he would go for 8 and really was a non-factor, especially on the defensive end. And Bohannon's the, the one that really hurts him still. I think if he was on this team, uh, they might have a chance to actually win the Big Ten title. But, uh, you know, they do have three really good players that have stepped up. Garza, as I mentioned, uh, you know, maybe the player of the year candidate. Uh, Joe Wieskamp, who's, who's playing like the elite player that everybody expected when he committed as a freshman. And then and then C.J. Frederick has kind of come out of nowhere. He redshirted last year. He's from uh, Covington, Kentucky. Uh, really, a, you know, a, he's kind of replaced that what Jordan Bohannon's brought. So they're playing more diligently on defense. They're much more mentally tough than they've been over the last few years, and uh, they're pretty efficient on offense. So they're playing better, and it's it's been really impressive. This is, uh, you know, I think Coach McCaffrey's best coaching job in his 10 years in Iowa. Uh, if Garza makes the first five All-American, which he seems to – he's headed that way, who is the last Iowa player to do that? This is going all the way back. The last consensus first team All American for Iowa was Chuck Darling. Okay. Nineteen fifty two. Yeah. So they've had some great players since then, but none of them have been consensus All Americans. Uh, you know, some of the better ones would have been, of course, Ronnie Lester, Roy Marble. Never was first yeah. team All Big Ten. You know, because that was such a great era. And then uh, Jared Utah was second team a few years ago, but no, nobody since nineteen fifty two. So it would be, uh, you know, quite a quite a feat if Garza can make it there. Has anybody been successful at all in slowing down? I don't know if you stop him, but slowing down Luca Garza? No. Uh, the other night, I think he had, what, 21, I, I want to say, in Maryland, and he was in foul trouble. Foul trouble is the only way to really kind of slow him down. And, and he's just such a versatile big man that it's really difficult for no matter who defends him to really stop him because you know, if he's in the if he's deep in the post, he's big, he's physical, and he can do a lot of different things uh, scoring wise. So he, he puts a lot of pressure on your post defense. But he's also skilled enough that uh, he's one of the rare um, post players that can really go out and hit that ten foot jumper anywhere around the, the basket. And then he can also step out and hit threes, and he doesn't look awkward doing it. So he's a difficult guy to defend. And and every game, even if things aren't going well for him. You still look at the stat sheet and you think, wow, he still had 21 points. Uh, you know, really, a, um, and everybody feeds off of him because his intensity is, is contagious and he's really a, a 
you know, a conscientious player on the floor and, and feeds his, his teammates as well as getting his points. So uh, nobody's really been able to stop him or slow him down. Um, but, you know, foul trouble certainly would put him in that position. With all that said, Illinois fans still have nightmares about 15 three-pointers in the game uh, last year by the Hawkeyes in Iowa City. So that's certainly still part of their offensive uh, game plan. Yeah, yeah, it was. And that was there was probably no other game I can remember. I think they were 68% from the floor that day, and um, I don't think they could do that in practice. Uh, <laughs> so... <laughs> You know that was that was pretty amazing, but no, that, you know that said, uh, I think everybody, everybody here is pretty energized for tomorrow's game. And and you know, Lauren, of course, you know this, but you know, 30 years ago, there was no greater rivalry in the Big Ten than Iowa Illinois, and, and especially in basketball. And I think uh, this is you know since some of those days, I think this is maybe the most anticipated basketball matchup, at least from this perspective. Uh, in facing the Illini, you know, first place Illini, you know, great team, great turnaround with Brad Underwood, Iowa playing really well, um, you know, two of the three or four best coaching jobs right now, and not only in the Big Ten, but possibly in America, so I think, uh, you know, again, it's a sellout here, I expect a raucous atmosphere, it, it's going to be, uh, it's going to be a nice curtain raiser for the Super Bowl, I think. You know, Steve Kelly and I have been wrestling with this home road thing. What's your thoughts on why it is so overwhelming? 52-16, we think, is the number right now uh, in the Big Ten, uh, home road. Uh, your thoughts on it? I think that, you know, there, there's one thing that I'm not real sure about, but I think it might be the, uh, you know, just the teams are so balanced. And now that they push the three-point line back just a little bit, yep. but enough to where road teams are struggling shooting the ball. I'd have to really look and see what the, the, the percentages are, the shooting, the field goal percentages, to see you know what the difference between home and away is. But I, I think you got such a balanced league. The floor is obviously better than what it has been. Um, you know, Maryland and Rutgers are tied for second, or you know, tied behind Illinois and Michigan State. You know, for really third place, and and having the floor up high, everybody at home is shooting better, and everybody on the road is shooting worse. I mean, Iowa went to Nebraska and lost, uh, shot four thirty three from three. You know, so it was really a bad day, and so I, I think that you know the fact that there is such a um, parity in the league, coupled with um, you know the, the, maybe the change in the three point line could could be a factor. But I think we're starting to see it turn a little bit in the last. Yeah, week and a half. We've it has a little bit of stuff. Yeah. yeah, it's nine and seven in in the last whatever number of days. You know, the last 16, 16 games at least. And and uh, yeah, that I checked, I, it was seven and seven. Then they had the two uh, home wins the other night. So yes, it it has. And I and I knew it would. I mean, it always does. I think that teams get more acclimated as they go through the season. I think when you start out, it's such a shock to go someplace that first time. And, I mean, I, I know when we went over to Purdue the first I'm not talking about this year, but we went over there a couple of years ago and got a little bit of a lead, and all of a sudden they made a rally, and like, you couldn't hear yourself think. I mean, it was just yeah. it was just a route from that point. And, and so many of these games turn into lopsided games just because of that. I mean, teams just get blown out. Yeah, you're right. And, I, and it's, it's amazing. You look at the teams that aren't even in the uh, – in the top six or seven and you know indiana ohio state michigan purdue really talented play players and you know another difference is 
in the Big Ten, you go on the road, every single arena is fired up. And, you know, the 20 games now in the Big Ten, so there's just such a, it's just a grind because you come to Iowa City and you're a, you're a road team. I mean, it's tough to win. And same thing with Indiana, Ohio, you know, Purdue, Illinois, everywhere is the same way. So uh, it's, it's really fascinating. And then, and then to see, you know, just how crazy it is that Ohio State was ranked, what, third in the country in, in, uh, um, in December. Michigan was up really high. And to see them both struggle like that. And Purdue is, is you know, a team that, yeah, you go on the road there. I mean, Illinois pulled off a really big road win, I thought, there. I thought that was one of the more impressive games I've seen. But um, to go on the road and, and play those teams that are talented in front of those environments, it's just, it just shows how deep this league is and how difficult it is to win. Well, Scott, we got to let you go. I just one last question. If you were scouting for uh, Illinois, what would you, what would be the main points of emphasis if you're going to try to beat Iowa today uh, tomorrow? Beat Iowa, I think you got to you know, it's really tough, but I think you almost have to um, let guards get hit. Uh-huh. I think you just say okay, if, if Pick your poison, get huh? 35 points, yeah, let him get 35 defend the three because if we scamp and frederick are hitting those threes at, at a place like iowa city i don't care who you are you're probably going to struggle and, and probably lose so i would say defend the three at all costs good stuff scott we appreciate your time as always thanks scott all right thanks so much guys have you, a good one you bet you too That's scott doctorman from the athletic in iowa city at 9 46 we'll take a time out talk some more basketball kendall gill Flying Illini member, Hall of Famer at the University of Illinois, will join us next on Illini Pella Saturday Sports Talk. Join us for the Brad Underwood Radio Show, Monday night, Papadell, 7 to 8. We'll take a look back at the Iowa game. Look forward to the game with Maryland coming up Monday night at 7. Welcome back to the show, everybody, on Saturday Sports Talk, brought to you by Illini Pella, Windows and Doors, the Pella Window Store in Champaign-Urbana, and other locations around central Illinois with Lauren Tate, I'm Steve Kelly. Basketball certainly a topic of discussion lately with Illinois on a seven-game winning streak heading to Iowa City for a Super Bowl Sunday matchup with the uh, Hawkeyes at noon tomorrow. Going to continue that theme and welcome in our friend Hall of Famer Kendall Gill is with us from Chicago. Good morning, uh, Kendall. How are you? How you doing, Steve? How you doing, Laura? Doing great. We're hanging in there and uh, talking uh, basketball. Right. I know you've been watching uh, the fighting in line. What's uh, What's impressed you over this last uh, segment, or maybe all season long, really? Well, you know, what's, what's impressed me most is, is how they play together and how they, they have come together. Also, uh, Ayo uh, DeSumo has really stepped up. Um, the last time I got a chance to see him play was against Purdue, but I did see the highlights against Michigan, and, and I saw all of the big shots that he hit late. Um, I love what Kofi can do. Uh, in the middle, I mean, he is—he is a true big man. Um, at seven feet tall, I mean, he's just a dominator down there. And uh, you know, the way that Georgie can, as a big man, step out and, and knock down mid-range jump shots, also can stop, step out to the three. And I think Trent Frazier is playing very well. Um, you know, running the, the, the opposite guard of, of Io. I, I just think that they're right now they're, they're the best team in the Big Ten. We were talking uh, earlier in the show with uh, assistant coach Chin Coleman about uh, all those guys you mentioned. But when we uh, talked about Kofi, he said his first comment was, he still doesn't have a clue. But uh, <laughs> that, that was kind of a neat uh, neat comment, but it just shows the potential of that guy. 
Yeah, I mean, well, if he doesn't, if he doesn't have a clue, man, I, <laughs> I don't know what he's going to be like when he, when he, when the light bulb goes off for him. Because uh, right now, I, I don't see anybody really in college basketball at that size that can really handle him once he gets the ball down low. Well, yeah. I, I, uh, I'm going to say, Kendall, he's going to face one uh, tomorrow, and that Garza is a ton. I mean, I mean uh, Luca Garza is dominant in the Big Ten right now. Okay, well, hey, look, this is why we play the game, you know, and this is why, uh, you know, we look forward to matchups like this to see where he really is. And I, and I think that, you know, seeing him from afar, because I, I've only met him one time, but I think he's a competitive guy, and, and he probably knows exactly what you just said, Lawrence, so he's probably going to live up to the challenge tomorrow. We're visiting with Kendall Gill. You uh, certainly know what it's like to play on the road in the Big Ten, but right now, the home teams have won 52 and lost 16, although the road teams have uh, made some gains in the recent weeks. But uh, Iowa City is the uh, destination tomorrow. What are some of your memories about playing at Carver-Hawkeye Arena? Well, you know, I, I never really liked playing there. <laughs> you know, I like playing at Purdue. I like playing at Indiana. I like playing at Minnesota. But Iowa was not one of my favorite places to play. Um, you know, the, the fans are really great. Up there, of course, when I when I played against him, that was against Tom Davis and you know B.J. Armstrong. He used all those bounce passes and everything. Um, but listen, the 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 rims are still ten feet high. The court length is still the same. Court width is still the same. So you know you got that. That's how I would look at it when I didn't like to go to to different arenas to play. I just say it's all the same. It's just like Assembly Hall, which is now the State Farm Center, and you know that's how I got through places that I didn't like to play. But you know, what what Illinois has to do now, we have to just go in there um, and continue to play with the same intensity and the same confidence that they took into Purdue, uh, that they took into Michigan, and I think that they come out winners. A couple of more minutes with Kendall Gill. I'd be remiss if I didn't uh, talk to you a little bit about uh, the passing, sudden passing uh, almost a week ago of Kobe Bryant. How well did you know Kobe? Yeah. I know you played against him. Yeah, I, I played against Kobe maybe 30, 40 times in my career. And, um, you know, I was I have a boxing show called The Parlay, and I was telling them that, um, you know, I, was, I wasn't really close with Kobe, but, you know, I was friendly with him. And a lot of the times, especially when I was with the New Jersey Nets, I used to go to the arena and shoot early. Well, whenever we played the Los Angeles Lakers, of course, Kobe Bryant was always there early. And, you know, I got to – sometimes it would be just Kobe – myself and a ball boy in this 20,000 seat arena shooting around. And then once we were done, we would sit down before we went to battle and just break bread. So, you know, when, when you weren't competing against him, I mean, he was a pretty cool guy, you know, and it's just, uh, you know, the basketball world, not just the basketball world, but the country and, and internationally in general, we just had a gut punch when, when that happened. And, uh, you know, I was asked about it a number of times this year by the media. And, I'm, and I said that, you know, we don't expect Superman to die. And that's sort of what happened last uh, Sunday. You know, and I pray for, for Kobe's family, um, Vanessa and, and his three remaining girls and, and other families that, that uh, lost loved ones in the crash. It's just a tragic uh, accident. Um, and, you know, we just – but if I was to know Kobe Bryant, this is what he would say. Okay, I'll allow you guys to mourn for a couple of days, but after that you have to move on. So I think that that's the attitude that the NBA is going to take. 
and that's the attitude that his friends and families will take moving forward. Kendall, uh, what uh, what are your comments on the Bulls, and where are they headed? Well, it's a tough season, um, of course, with all the injuries that they've had. Wendell Carter Jr. went down. Um, Daniel Gavin went down. Otto Porter, of course, which I thought uh, was a key component to this team, uh, has gone down. I think he's only played six game, games, and now Laurie Markkinen is out from four to six weeks. Uh, it's, it's tough to measure what they can be because over the past two years, these guys really haven't been collectively on the court together that much. So you really don't have a good measure of what this team could be. I thought that they were going to vie for a playoff spot this year. So I thought maybe they'd get seventh, eighth. But because of the injuries, uh, you know, things just haven't happened for them. The one bright spot, of course, is Zach Levine. I thought he got an all-star snub. I thought he deserved to make the all-star team. But, you know, the coaches that vote for the all-star reserves, I guess this year really weighed the records of the teams. And, you know, I can understand it. I've been there, you know, and I had a – couple of all-star caliber years but you know statistically I was right there but my team's record was not that good so I think that that's why Zach Levine got penalized for for not making the all-star team this year another minute or two with Kendall Gill how's your family how are those boys doing they are great and as I was talking to you guys we were walking into uh, Mount Carmel High School here we got four games today so uh, I'm one of those dads now that all I do is go to the games and, and, and watch. <laughs> are they? Are they? How close are they uh, getting to uh, being recruitable? Uh, Phoenix is 13, and, and I have to say, you know, his mom went to Northwestern, but when he when he follows Illinois basketball on um, on Instagram, he always says, "We." Dad, look at what we did today. So, so that's 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 encouraging, and, he, and he's and he's coming along. He grew six inches this summer, and his skills are starting to come along. So, you know, if he keeps working, he's got a chance. Hey, you know, you bring up the, the recruiting thing. Steve did at least, and and I wonder what's your reaction when you played. It was you were mostly Illinois players. I I yeah. don't. I mean, state of Illinois players, and now we've got five guys from. Well, I'm counting Curbelo coming in next year. We'll have, we'll, even though Feliz is leaving, we'll have another guy coming in from out of the country, and and uh, and, and and all these guys from New York and and Florida. I mean, what, what's your take on this? Well, I, I think because the the Dukes, the Kansases, the, the Kentuckys have come in and poached our talent from from the Chicagoland and Illinois area that, you know, we've had to go outside of the state to seek talent, which they, they've done, uh, Coach Underwood and his staff have done a great job of, of doing. But um, now that Illinois is starting to come back, there's a lot of buzz about it. People come up to me on the street. I was, I was actually going into the studio yesterday to do a Bulls game. A guy stopped me and said, hey, listen, we're coming back. We're coming back. So the excitement is, is back. And what that's going to do, that's going to to get the attention of top recruits here in the Chicagoland area and in the state again. So now we should be able to start it. Well, once we get successful, go to the NCAA tournament again, do well. If we happen to win the Big Ten uh, championship this year, that's going to go a long way and keep and, and going back to the way we used to be as far as getting all of our, our top level talent here in the state of Illinois. I mean, Adam Adam Miller from. Uh, from uh, Morgan, Morgan Park, Morgan yeah. Park, Morgan Park is has you know signed with Illinois, so he's he's a top recruit. So this is a step in in the right direction, and I I, 
I think, you know, with, with the way that we're playing now, it's not going to be long before, you know, we're dominant as far as recruiting in this area again. That's number 13, Kendall Gill. We'll let you get in and watch those uh, ball games today. But uh, thanks for taking time right. to spend with us. And hopefully we'll see you down here one of these days soon. Oh, absolutely. Thanks a lot for having me. Thanks, Kendall. Kendall Gill with us here on Saturday Sports Talk as we uh, move towards the top of the hour, WDWS, Champaign-Urbana. You know, Illini Pella has created a lifestyle series of wood windows and patio doors which provide outstanding sound control and energy efficiency all at an amazing value. Most styles are available with triple-pane glass, which can improve energy conservation. The uh, Lifestyle Series is a leader in energy efficiency, plus you can personalize solutions for each room in your home with available product packages. With the uh, Pella Lifestyle Series, you can choose the features that fit your individual project's unique style. And with many colors, finishes, and grill pattern options, You'll find Lifestyle Series windows and patio doors to complement your home and your budget. Check them out at the Pella Window Store, Illini Pella, 1001 North Country Fair Drive, 356-6474 is the phone number in Champaign, or check them out online at PellaofChampaign.com. 10 o'clock, back with hour number two of Illini Pella Saturday Sports Talk here on DWS after this. It's the second hour of Illini Pella Saturday Sports Talk. Join the program by calling 217-356-9397 or send a text to the Castle Heating and Cooling text line 217-351-5357. Here again are your hosts, Lauren Tate and Steve Kelly. Welcome back to the show, hour number two until 11 o'clock today. That first hour spent talking pretty much exclusively Illinois basketball, thanks to assistant coach Chin Coleman, Scott Docterman, who covers Iowa for The Athletic, and we just completed a conversation with Illinois Hall of Famer Kendall Gill talking about Illinois basketball. We can continue that with our next guest, who is doubling this week as our Super Bowl correspondent (laughs) in Miami. Will Leach is with us. Good morning, Will. Uh, good morning. I am just ex- all I have one I went into here in Miami. I just want to talk about Illinois basketball. So I'm glad <laughs> to finally have somebody <laughs> to, to talk to. Uh, they, they apparently are, are preoccupied with other things uh, incorrectly. Yeah, I can see that. But uh, certainly it's been fun uh, with Illinois basketball. We'll get around to what you're doing down there in Miami as we move along. But your thoughts on this uh, seven game winning streak? And uh, I know you're paying close attention. Uh, yeah, I, I think uh, I've woken up uh, uh, my children several times with these uh, night games that are going on. <laughs> it's pretty exciting times, uh, to say the very least. Uh, I'm actually going to be there for the Michigan State game, which is starting to look like it could be for the Big Ten title, which is kind of insane to even think about. Uh, uh, one, to, to me, the thing that's really remarkable about this, and you know, uh, Matt Norlander wrote about this in, uh, in CBS in an interview with, with Fred Underwood, the idea that, like, that not only is, is the team so much better than they were last year, they're just so different. I mean, remember Underwood's whole thing was he was going to come in and bring this new defense that we saw at times in the Michigan State game last year where it clearly worked. But to see, you know, the way they're guarding three-pointers, the way that the, that, that the shots that most teams are getting against them are these, like, long twos that are very inefficient and kind of against the analytics, the whole defense is completely turned around. To see guys, like, to me, you know, I, I think about a couple of big possessions down the stretch in these close games. We've talked about Io, and we've talked about DeMonte, but, like, some of the defense that Georgie has played and at the end of the uh, – not like consistently, but down the stretch, 
Uh, I think he's to see him be reliable on the defensive end uh, in key spots. It's really just a dramatic change from from kind of what we saw last year. So it's very exciting. And listen, you know, we we all know how long we've been waiting to get Illinois basketball back on. Uh, you know, that crowd uh, the other night was was pretty wild, and uh, with the students back and everything, this is what we've been waiting for for a very long time. So uh, I'm definitely trying to appreciate and soak in every minute of minute of it. You know what happens, uh, Will, when Illinois basketball gets good is it, it, the crowd becomes um, a lot different. And, and it, I, there's been a lot of unhappiness for the last 10 years. But, boy, are they flying out of the woodwork now. I mean, we, we've got consecutive uh, sellouts coming up. And, uh, and they're just – I mean, once Illinois gets going, there's a reason why they have streaks because they, they, they have such a, a pickup of, of uh, support – Everywhere. I mean, not only here in Chicago, certainly with the students back in the last game, that Minnesota, that was a huge factor there. But I will tell you, when you win games in January by one, two, three, four, and six points mm. margins, you got to worry that some of those might not, you know, okay. some of those close games might not swing your way as we go forward because inevitably they tend to even out. Yeah, I'm certainly concerned about tomorrow. I don't think there's any question. I'm not sure that's a great matchup for Illinois. Every time they play at Carver Hawkeye, uh, it feels like you're down 12, uh, like walking in the building sometimes uh, when you play there. So there's reason to be concerned on that. But, you know, to me, the, the excitement that we've seen, it's just proof of really what Illinois fans have been saying all along, which is we are here. Like, just get it right, and, and there will be support from everywhere. You know, I lived in New York for 13 years. I remember going, I mean, it, was a, it was about 10 years ago, they had a, they had a series at the Garden where uh, Texas was there and Maryland was there. And, you know, these, this, these big schools, and the Garden was half a line, I think. <laughs> and yeah. like, yeah, and that, that's in New York for crying out loud. So for me, you know, that's what's so fun about this. You know, we have the Illinois has often been thought nationally even as kind of a sleeping giant if they can just kind of get it going, particularly uh, not just with recruiting, but get people excited about it. And I think that's what you're seeing now. And I think why it's hard to remember. And Lauren, you know, you've been doing this a long time, but it's been a decade. Not since, I mean, they've made the tournament in the last decade. There's been some excitement. There have been exciting moments, the Tyler Griffey play, and obviously the Michigan State game last year. But I, the, a level of optimism around the program right now uh, is as high as I can remember it, which is funny because I don't remember it being as low as it was after they lost to Miami <laughs> this yeah. year. So it can turn around really fast, uh, and, I, and we should keep that in mind. But I think that, you know, this is kind of the uh, – the, the the proof of the pro of, of uh, the process you know this is this we're starting to see the results uh, a little bit and yeah probably some of these games are uh, they're winning close and they're going to lose some of these close games down the stretch but I mean winning three in the road three in a row on the road I mean that's no joke I mean that is that is impressive stuff and so uh, yeah it's it, it's an exciting time and I think frankly Illinois fans deserve it they've stuck with them for a long time uh, we ask all our quote intellectual quote guess what uh -oh. is this home thing tell us about it 52 16 in the big 10 yeah it's uh, well I, I'm, I'm glad i'm glad in addition to your intellectual guess you're also asking me but i would say that uh it, it, you know i mean this is this is the thing to me a big difference of this honestly rutgers is a big difference i went to i remember it was it was last year uh, maybe two years ago my father and i actually went to uh to, to Piscataway to watch Illinois. That was the other big concern was in, was in uh, the garden. 
And so I only played there just before we stayed, we went and stayed and watched them play at the Garden. And I will say Rutgers did not strike me as a place that was a particularly terrifying one to play at. But right. you look at it now, and I, like, they can't be stopped there. So I wonder if, like, when you see teams like Rutgers and Penn State, teams at the bottom, frankly, teams that usually teams are winning on the road against. Usually you're, you, you go on an assumption you can probably win at Rutgers. Illinois has had some terrors at Penn State in the past. But certainly uh, you, th- those are teams that generally you feel like you can get a road win against those teams. Now those teams have risen up. You know, to me, that's, the, the issue is not so much that, oh, home field advantage, home court advantage is such a big deal now. I think it's that, like, there's just so many good teams. <laughs> and, and to me, that, that, that's the, I think that's the reason that you're seeing this. It's not so much that, like, there's now some sort of mystical thing. It's the bad teams that have traditionally been bad are good now. And you see that Rutgers home advantage. They are crazy there. I mean, that place was an airplane hangar when I was there. That place was empty and sad and lonely when I was there two years ago. And now they've set the place on fire. It, when you have teams top to bottom that are good, fans get excited and it makes it harder to win uh, on the road. Visiting with Will Leach. We've got him for another few minutes. Phone line is open, by the way, if you want to jump in. 356-9397. Going to flip you a little bit uh, to uh, last Sunday. And I read with interest the uh, column you wrote for New York Magazine rather quickly um, with the happenings of the sudden loss of Kobe Bryant. And one of the best pieces, Will, that I think I've ever read in and how quickly you came up with that, I was I was amazed. But uh, talk me through that process of of doing that and and how that came out and what your day was like. Yeah, I was actually off duty. I was actually in Mexico City seeing Wilco. By the way, the great band Wilco. Any Wilco fans out there? I was seeing I was seeing the band Wilco, and I just gotten on the plane, and we were flying back, and it's a four hour flight, and I was in the middle seat because it was international flights. You never get upgraded on those. So I was uh, jammed in the middle seat, and I just happened to look. I signed onto the web and saw that it happened. And to me, the first thing that struck to my mind about the death of Kobe Bryant was obviously he was a great player and kind of what he meant to, to so many people. But I, it, it's remarkable. Whenever someone dies, the first, thing they, the first thing they say after their name is their age. And there was something remarkable about the fact that Kobe Bryant was 41 years old. Like, Kobe Bryant has been a part of, our, of American life for 25 years. Like, we, we were talking about Kobe Bryant when he was 15 years old, for crying out loud. And it, it feels like he's had gone through so many, he had gone through so many permutations, had gone through scandals, had come out of scandals, had become a different player, had, had gone through all these different incarnations. And then when he retired, he started a new thing. And he seemed to kind of evolve as a person, evolve as a businessman. And it felt like there was something about the idea that like I know lots of people that are 41 and it feels like it doesn't feel like their life, like their life is just getting started. <laughs> the idea that like we, this got this person that has been part of American life for so long, it's kind of the timeline of an athlete, you know, they, an athlete's career. They, we watch them for all of these years and then they're done and we treat them like they're retired. Like here's your gold watch and you can, you know, go, uh, go, go retire to Florida or something, but they're like 37. <laughs> they're like so young. And so for me, that was the thing that really struck me was that it's so rare to have a figure that we've has been a part of American life for so long but is still so young and i think that was what really struck me of course a lot of it was written before i didn't we didn't even know who else was in the helicopter obviously uh, the fact that his daughter was with him i think changed the story uh, a ton too is really you know to see kind of the 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 public mourning of him and also frankly his 
pretty complicated legacy. I think it, to tell the story of Kobe Bryant is, is uh, to tell the story of, uh, of kind of American culture and American celebrity over the last 25 years. So uh, it's, uh, it's rare to have moments like that where it really does feel like the earth kind of shifts a little bit. And I think in the sports world, uh, that was definitely a good example of it. Well, as a half-baked writer myself, how, how long before, after that happened did you begin to write? How much research did you do? How much of it came right out of your head? And how long did it take you? It did not take me very long, uh, and I, I, I took me frankly about forty-five minutes. And I oh, think some wow. of the best things, uh, uh, yeah, some of my best things actually come out that quickly. I would have been a great newspaper deadliner guide uh, <laughs> back in the day, Lauren. This is this is uh, I, I love doing stuff like this, you know. And for me, you know, uh, I, I I like when I, like when I go to the Super Bowl, I'll be writing that on a deadline as well. And you know, I do feel I do have the advantage in that I have a good set of editors that are kind of backing me up and making sure that I'm not, you know, that, that I'm not saying anything stupid or wrong or so on. Like, but I do feel like, particularly with something like that, what you're trying to do is capture how it feels in that second. Because, you know, we've already in the last week, this Kobe story has changed and we've had all these different conversations about it. And for me, I think there's value in trying to capture that initial <laughs> moment and that initial shock that we all experience because it's, it's going to be gone really fast. It's, that, that, we, we, we absorb it already. Like we're starting to adjust to the fact that Kobe Bryant died. Like that would have seemed the most absurd thing in the world to say a week ago. But, you know, time evolves and these things start to become, uh, we, we accept the reality a little bit. So what I kind of want, what I'd like to do in, in situations like that is to, type, is to try to get it out as quickly as possible. So I'm trying to capture that exact second before it kind of fades. You had, uh, you mentioned you had kind of the, a few days off. Did you just write it because you wanted to write it? Did you know that, uh, did somebody request it? Did you know that, uh, it was, you know, uh, in other words, was it an assignment or you, you just wrote it? Oh, no. Yeah, I just wrote, you know, I write for my kind of deal with New York Magazine is, you know, New York Magazine is not a sports publication. Right. Uh, I am their sports person. So when something big like that happens, there's certainly an expectation that I will uh, I will kind of take it on. And so I'm here for the Super, the Super Bowl for, for them as well. And so I certainly understood that there would be something that they would want. I didn't I didn't wait to ask for permission. I just <laughs> I sat down. I did not think once I turned in that piece, they would be like, whoa, we don't have space for this. <laughs> right, right. Like the minute they saw it, I figured, I figured, I figured they would run with it. So And, and they did and it, and it turned out very uh, the piece turned out well because I think it really did kind of capture just that dissonance that we all kind of felt when, uh, uh, when upon learning the news. And I don't know if I could write that piece right now because it's been a week, right. and now I've accepted the fact that Kobe Bryant died a little bit. And I think I think there's there's value in trying to capture that moment. I think the piece still holds up. I just don't maybe wouldn't have access to that initial shock that I had when I wrote it. Let's go to the phones real quick. Marty with us in Pinehurst, North Carolina. Go ahead, Marty. Morning. Steve, morning, Lauren, and morning, Will. Uh, yes, sir. I was a, I, I'm a former uh, high school and college sports editor, so I only qualify as maybe quarterback. I'm not sure. Um, <laughs> okay. Let me flip the switch, and Steve knows where I'm going to go. The Cardinals, other than uh, an interesting sign of a Korean pitcher that I think is way under the radar, have decided to rely, it looks like right now, on they're young outfielders, which they have a plethora of. Uh, Cincinnati's made big moves. The Cubs have stood pat. Something could still change. Where do you handicap what the Cardinals, are, where they're at, and where the NL Central is? 
Yeah, I uh, I can't help but think the Cardinals have missed an opportunity here. Uh, you know, the, with the with the Cubs kind of saying saying put, and for the record, there, there still could be changes to make. Obviously, now the Bryant uh, grievance has been settled. We're going to see what happens with yep. that. But you know, the Reds moving forward, the Brewers have been kind of uh, in stasis. There's something kind of strange about the idea that we saw this in the you know the, the John Mozeliak and the Cardinals brass had a press conference right after the season was over, and the the vibe of it was very. Yep, you're welcome, Cardinals fans. Here's your NLCS. Just so you know, thank you. We'll accept all your all, all your congratulations. And I think they were maybe a little surprised that that the fans didn't necessarily feel that way. But they've been consistent, you know, uh, about not wanting to uh, expand the payroll and not wanting to to make these kind of big moves. I feel like that's a pretty intense bet. I, uh, to, to bet that Matt, someone like Matt Carpenter is going to completely turn around. The idea that Paul Goldschmidt, uh, who was perfectly fine last year but was not a superstar and is getting older, the idea that you watch that offense in the NLCS and think that, that losing Marcelo Zuna, which I think in a vacuum you can understand losing Marcelo Zuna and you understand why they did it, but when you have no – like you could have had Corey Dickerson, who signed with the Marlins for, a very, for one year and a very small amount, and bridge to some of these outfielders. It feels like there's a lot of wish casting. They may still be the best team in the National League Central, but I think that says more about the National League Central than it does about the Cardinals. Uh, right now, I, would, I have to say the Cubs have not traded Chris Bryant yet. I would pick the Cubs right now, to be honest, and maybe if they trade Chris Bryant, that might change. But, you know, last year, going in, everyone was under the assumption the Cubs were going to win the division, and the Cardinals and Brewers were going to have to try to make a run to catch them. Things kind of went sideways on the Cubs last year. There's kind of bad vibes a little bit. There's still a ton of talent on that team. I think if everybody was just staying the same, the assumption that the Cardinals were just far and away the best team in the division, which seems to be the assumption the brass seems to have made, uh, is I'm not sure I, I agree with that. And I think that uh, if the Cardinals, if it doesn't work and their outfield turns out to be a mess and Carpenter doesn't come back around, they're going to suffer accordingly and they're going to have only themselves to blame. Excellent analysis, Will. Excellent. What oh, about mid-season? What about mid-season? Well, we'll see. We'll, we'll see where they are then. You know, I, I, I feel like this year's going to be interesting because there's going to be guys, you know, Mookie Betts may get traded here pretty soon. We'll see. There's, the Dodgers and Padres are kind of sniffing around him. But on the whole, uh, there's still some guys that could get traded at midseason. For instance, Bill Lindor could be on the market at midseason. I don't think the Cardinals would get Chris Bryant, but he's someone that could be on the market at midseason. There are big names that could be out there that you can see the Cardinals. Maybe a Lindor makes a certain amount of sense uh, for like a midseason sort of trade. But the problem is, is if things go well, if, the, if things go for the Cardinals the way they think they're going to go, they won't want to make that move. They'll only make that move out of desperation if they fall in yep. behind. And that doesn't feel like the Cardinals' MO either. They really do feel like they are making moves for three or four years down the line, and they're trying to hang on while they can. We may appreciate that in three or four years, but uh, it does <laughs> feel like an opportunity kind of missed a little bit this year. All right. Thank you, much. Yeah, Marty, appreciate the call, as always. Thanks. Another couple yep. minutes with uh, Will Leach. I want to hear about the Super Bowl. Tell me what uh, what's going to happen. <laughs> uh, I will say uh, uh, much credit to, uh, to, to Kansas City. There are far more Chiefs fans than there are 49ers fans here. <laughs> there are a lot of Chiefs fans here. And, and the 49ers obviously have a big fan base, but, you know, the Chiefs, there is a hunger. You know, that is a, a terrific fan base. 
that uh, has been desperate and has really suffered in the postseason a lot the last two years. Uh, the, the, it's, it's funny. There really is kind of a perfect storm. This is, I think people think this is going to be the most expensive get-in ticket in the last 10 years for, uh, for the Super Bowl because in Miami, it's currently raining in Miami right now, by the way, but hopefully it won't be doing this tomorrow. Uh, but uh, it's, it's in Miami. It's two teams with big fan bases that have not been there for a while, so therefore are excited to get here. I think it's, getting in is like $6,000 right now. Oh, so wow. I'm going to hang on to my press pass closely. <laughs> I'm going to make sure to, to hang on to that press pass closely because I'm not, I'm not going to be able to afford to get in otherwise. But uh, it, it is, you know, it is, it's always strange. And, you know, anytime you have a Super Bowl where uh, the game itself is far away from where everyone is staying. Like the, like the game is in Miami Gardens, but everyone is at Miami Beach. There's always a little bit of a disconnect when that happens because basically the game feels like something that's happening somewhere else until the actual game day. But uh, there, there are Chiefs fans everywhere, everywhere here, and uh, they're, they're definitely representing. What's uh, your angle going in? Are you, uh, you kind of reacting to what happens as far as what you're covering, what you're writing about, or do you kind of have an idea? Yeah, I'm curious. To me, it does feel like there's a clear transition kind of happening uh, in the NFL. The idea that, like, I think this is the first uh, one of this, the one the one of the only two uh, Super Bowls of the last 15 or 16 years that has not featured Brady, Peyton Manning, or Ben Roethlisberger. Like, there are these two kind of young quarterbacks, EIU's own Jimmy Garoppolo, uh, to, these the, and and Mahomes, to have these young quarterbacks. Uh, we've kind of gotten used to the idea of having these these old time quarterbacks being here every year, but I don't, the way the game has changed against like these big pocket passers, they want these mobile guys on one hand, that's great. And it makes it more exciting. And you're seeing guys like Mahomes. on the other hand, you, it's hard for these quarterbacks to last that long. Like, I don't think you're going to see another Tom Brady uh, like this to be able to be in court uh, because look at someone like Cam Newton three years ago, Cam Newton was the future of football. But it turns out when you run as much as he does, you get hurt all the time. And I think that's what I'm curious is, is the game of ch- football has changed so much, and it's made for an exciting season. I would say this has probably been the most scandal-free season the NFL has had in a while. The president's left them alone. There hasn't been like a, a ton of uh, 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 off-the-field issues that, that, that they haven't had to deal with. They've kind of had a good year in that regard, and it's, it's kind of led to this exciting game. But you wonder how much this can last. You know, this is always the issue with the NFL is they, they have these good years. You're like, okay, everything's back going, but they're always kind of one scandal away uh, from, from something big happening. And though, but I will say right now it feels like peak NFL. Like when tickets are going for $6,000 and everyone's watching this game and everyone's excited about it, uh, this is as happy as the NFL has it. And uh, it's been, after some pretty tumultuous years, I think it's a kind of an interesting way to, to look at the game and look at the teams involved. Will, we appreciate your time as always. Thank you. Enjoy your weekend. And, uh, Enjoy the game. I, and I will be in Champaign for Illinois Michigan State. Well, we, so we'll definitely go there. Uh, we we got to get yeah, together. Get so it, 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 I, I, I'm very excited. It's, it's a, it, but again, just so just so you know, when I'm at the Super Bowl, I will be watching Illinois Iowa in the press box. <laughs> there will be no football involved for me. It's a line of basketball. And by Lord. the way, uh, you want to watch out for Raheem Mostert, who played for Purdue, and I must admit. He played for Purdue, and I covered the games, and I don't remember him. <laughs> but, he's a, but he's a star runner for 49ers now, isn't he? Yeah. Lord, and yeah, I extend uh, – go ahead, Will. No, no, that, that's the thing is uh, don't get banged up in college, and you can be great in the pros. <laughs> <laughs> I think that's kind of his – the Moser thing. He didn't get knocked around in college, so he was ready to go in the pros. Lord, and I will extend a lunch invitation to you on uh, game day 
for Michigan State if you're available, and we'll uh, we'll catch up with you on that. You do not have to ask me twice. Thanks, guys. <laughs> Thank you. We'll be in touch. Bye. Will Leach with us. Writes for a lot of different uh, entities, MLB.com, uh, New York Magazine, among those. And a very interesting guy and a guy a little bit smarter than you and me. That's right. <laughs> it is 1024. As, as are many. <laughs> combined, I meant. 1024 is, uh, is the time. We'll take a quick break and be back with more. The uh, phone lines are open, 356-9397. Back after this. Ten twenty six, Alana Ipella Saturday Sports Talk with Lauren Tate. I'm Steve Kelly. Phone line open 356-9397. Five games on the Big Ten basketball schedule today. We'll talk more about those as we move along. We do have an open line at the moment. We've got another guest scheduled here in four or five minutes on the program here on DWS. A lot of transfer talk. Uh, DJ Carton from Ohio State, uh, the latest, joining a Kobe King from uh, Wisconsin early in the week who said he was going to leave Wisconsin and go somewhere else and uh, DJ Carton is going to do the same thing and it's rumored that Iowa might be the leading destination for him. How crazy is this going to be a year from now, not now, but a year from now, if it is passed that you can transfer one time, anytime you want to, you know, one time in college without having to sit out. I mean, how if you have... 700 the last three years it's averaged out between 690 and 710 it's averaged out about 700 transfers per year all of them gambling that they can get a waiver right right what's it going to be like when guys like Carton just know that he, I mean he wouldn't even hesitate you know if he was absolutely sure some of these guys are hesitant Kobe King wanted to transfer earlier but probably held off because he didn't want to have to sit out a year. Khalil Whitney, too, at Kentucky. Yeah, because he may go pro. But anyway, yeah. what what's it going to mean, Steve? Is it going to be 1,000? Is it going to be 1,500? I mean, it'll be a lot more than 700. It'll because, be free agency. And how many coaches that are just really nasty to their players, and we know that's true, and I'm not exaggerating, there are certain play, coaches out there that really run down their players how many of those coaches are going to have guys just up and leave and say, I'm not playing for you. I'm going to play for somebody that treats me like a human being. Well, the Big Ten last October, kind of under the radar, kind of made a proposal that uh, that is going to be considered at some point to allow one-time, no-questions-asked transfer. If the Big Ten – the Big Ten is a leader mm-hmm. in matters of this nature. If the Big Ten supports that idea, it will eventually pass, and we would expect it to pass – not this year, but next year, Big Ten, or, or to go into effect next year. The Big Ten is a leader in a lot of a lot of areas, including yeah. the television market. Some interesting news this week about some of the other networks and yeah. just the way the Big Ten was so ahead of the game on the, the Big Ten network. Yeah, you can credit Delaney for that. Absolutely. So we'll see how that plays out. But yeah, it it would open up the free agency market, so to speak. But have you ever had a player say that he's leaving for because he needs to do because of his mental health, and how is that going to affect when he uh, goes before the committee uh, for his waiver? I would think he'd be automatic. I was going to say it might have been a brilliant yeah. move. Not, not if I'm going to transfer and I want to leave, I'm going to say I got mental health problems. I you know I got to have help here, right. and you know then I get immediate eligibility, and then I say well I'm fine now. Yeah. 
it'll be uh, something, something certainly interesting to watch down the way. 10.30, WDWS, Champaign-Urbana. More Big Ten basketball talk, more Super Bowl talk. When we come back, stay with us on Illini Pella Saturday Sports Talk. It's Fighting Illini Men's Basketball on the road at Iowa on Super Bowl Sunday at noon, the tip-off. We'll have Illini game day starting at 10.30 Sunday morning. 10.33, Illini Pella Saturday Sports Talk with Lauren Tate. I'm Steve Kelly. Let's go to the phones real quick. And Gary has been holding on in Urbana. What's on your mind, Gary? Yeah, I don't. I don't have a problem with them transferring, you know, and not being able to play one time. I do have a problem though, like if they were like Cartman leaving now in the middle of the season, then I think they should have to wait a year. I think there ought to be a penalty for bailing out on your team in the middle of the season. You should have to finish the season and then transfer. Well, I'll I, hang up I, yeah, we don't know the com- the complete rule yet because it hadn't been passed and. There will be amendments, I'm sure, that uh, that will cover certain things like that. I would think they would, but um, it's going to be a new world because you could have a majority of a team just walk off when they're mad at the coach. I mean, lose a bunch of games, coach, you know, treats them like Katie used to and at Purdue, and you know, and and these guys could just quit, and go someplace else because they know they could they'd be immediately eligible. It'll be a I, I think Izzo uh, has stated that, and, he, and I'm sure he didn't mean this, but or I don't think he meant it, but he said if this happens, he said, I'm, I'm getting out of coaching because he's, you know, he's running a strict ship there, and a lot of people that might play a year for Izzo and just think, well, I'd like to go someplace like North Carolina where Williams just lets you play. Well, it's a lot easier to transfer even now than it used to be, and that's, uh, that's going to take yep. it to a whole new level. But, you know, the, the, the reason that the Big Ten gave is because every other sport other than the five sports, right. and, you know, of uh, women's volleyball and basketball and men's football, baseball and basketball, uh, every, every other sport allows you to transfer and be uh, eligible immediately. So all their, their claim, and the other thing is that they made a big point of this, that they're more black athletes in, in football and basketball, and that that they're, you know, than there are in the other sports, and that they they are being uh, withheld, you know, held back as opposed to, uh, you know. So I, I just uh, I think the Big Ten has, has come to this conclusion, and I think that the, that they'll lead the march toward this, and I think it'll happen in in 2021. I've said that all along. Our next guest on Illini Pella Saturday Sports Talk, a longtime friend of mine, and uh, Lauren knows David Kidwell as well. Dave was Sports Information Director, Associate Athletic Director at EIU for many years. Kind of retired now, but uh, he is with us. Uh, David, how are you? Doing great. This morning. Uh, good to talk to you, Steve and Lauren. Thanks for being on. How long have you uh, did you work at EIU? Well, I have to take a deep breath there. It was that many years, 44 altogether, 34 <laughs> full-time, and then they were nice enough to let me kick around part-time for another 10 years before I totally hung it up. So I thought you'd be a good guy to talk about, uh, kind of the EIU connection to the, to the NFL and the Super Bowl, and, of course, with uh, Jimmy Garoppolo playing, and uh, he played at Eastern after you were pretty much gone, but uh, certainly a rich tradition of uh, Panthers uh not only as players, but some former coaches as well, and NFL and Super Bowl ties. Yeah, it's uh, really amazing a school of our size that's had this many people connected, either as players or or coaches. 
you know, in one way we're, let's face it, just kind of lucky, but uh, the moon and the star and the sun were all aligned, I guess, and we ended up with more than our fair share of guys who went on with great success beyond their college years. And, you know, when you come into eastern Illinois, you know, some of these guys may think they're going on to the pros, but that's not the primary reason they are there. So the success they have is just icing on the cake and not only playing, but becoming well-known nationally for the success they had. Well, we think of guys like Mike Shanahan, who won uh, two uh, Super Bowl rings as a head coach, and uh, our friend uh, Greg McMahon, who was on Sean Payton's staff at uh, New Orleans, and uh, the list goes on. But uh, those are the names that come to mind. Tony Romo, of course, uh, didn't play in the Super Bowl, didn't play in a uh, in a championship game even, but uh, certainly he's carrying on the EIU mantra out there in, among pro football, now broadcasting. And Childress. That's right. And, right Childress, yeah. too, yeah. Right. Yeah. At one time, we had three alums who were head coaches with Peyton at New Orleans, Shanahan with uh, Denver and Washington, and then Brad Childress briefly with uh, Minnesota. So that's, uh, you know, I'm trying to remember, I think the only other school at our level, and I'll, I'm going to call San Diego State a mid-major, but I think among mid-majors, we are one of uh, only two that have had that many grads who have coached in the NFL as uh, head coaches. You know, it's made me think of... Uh of uh, the cradle of coaches at Miami High, you, you say you're lucky to have so many. Just imagine uh, they're going to they're gonna build a statue there of John Harbaugh. Do you know what, who else has got statues there? Paul Brown, Earl Blake, uh, old, old Army coach, Carm Coza, right. Paul Dietzel, Weeb Eubank, Arab Parsegian, John Pont, and Bo Schimbeckler. I mean, and that doesn't include Woody Hayes, who coached there. Right. But he didn't, that, he didn't right. graduate there. Yeah. But but isn't that amazing? I mean, it's just, you know, Eastern Illinois and, and, and then, of course, Miami, Ohio with the cradle of coaches. It's just yeah, everybody wound up at those two places, it seems like. It's amazing. Yeah, I, just yeah. unbelievable. Yeah, there for a while we were bragging. We were saying, you know, Miami, Ohio, move aside. Eastern Illinois is the new cradle of coaches. Well, our list, you're right, Lauren, our list is not quite as long as uh, Miami, Ohio, but they had a lot more success. Our success really didn't start until 1978 when we won a Division II national championship. Before that, uh, and you've got to be, you know, a little bit up there in years, but between 1951 and 1978, we only had one winning season. Really? Uh, and then a coach, Derek, yeah, one winning season. And then a coach named Daryl Mudra came in mm-hmm. and won a national championship. We got a couple other playoff teams. And then uh, Al Moldy came in and then Bob Spoo, who people probably rep recognize he was here 25 years and had nine playoff teams so uh yeah our our so-called football history really starts in 1978 well you had some pretty good quarterbacks there i remember covering a guy uh, jeff christensen who i think played a little bit in the nfl and then of course uh, sean payton and tony romo and garoppolo is there a favorite guy that uh, that you work with there that went on to to bigger and better things well, you know, the one obviously I spent the most time with was, was Tony um, because he had the, the career over three years where uh, through a ton of yards, uh, and then he won the Walter Payton Award, which is the equivalent of the Heisman at our level. So uh, Tony obviously would have to be a favorite because of the success he had. Uh, you know, Jeff Christensen, and you mentioned him, uh, he's from Gibson City originally, started out at Northwestern before he transferred to Eastern, but he led us to some great uh, playoff wins in the early 80s. 
And then Sean Payton threw for over 10,000 yards in the 80s, and this was back when people weren't throwing the ball near as much as they do now. So 10,000 yards in a career was pretty unique at that time. Uh, the coach at that time, Al Moldy, was, uh, I would say, ahead of his time in, in the uh, wide-open offense, partially because we simply couldn't run the ball. He didn't have any choice. He had to throw it, but he had the perfect guy in Sean who uh, had the quick release and the accurate arm. So, yeah, we've been uh, very fortunate. You know, and it's interesting you mentioned Christensen. Uh, there's a, One of the reasons we have Jimmy Garoppolo is uh, partly due to Jeff. He has a uh, quarterback academy up in the Chicago area, and uh, Jimmy was one of his protégés. And at the time, he was Jimmy now is under the radar screen, and, and uh, Jeff calls down and tips off our guys today. This kid's pretty good. Not a lot of people are looking at him, and we got in the door and then got him. So that's kind of the way things happen at our level. Somebody knows somebody and sees somebody with some raw talent who's under the radar screen. How's Tommy Michael doing down there these days as AD? Doing wonderful. Uh, see Tom at the basketball games, uh, occasionally at a football game. I'm not there as much as I used to be when I was working full-time, but uh, – Tommy's a great guy, great personality, uh, people love him. Uh, you know, when I see him at the games, he's working the crowd, working the boosters, so he's doing a doing a super job, Lauren. Did you find, uh, David Kidwell, did you find during your time there as sports information director that uh, these guys that came through Eastern and moved on uh, to bigger and better things at the NFL and such, that they stayed in contact with the school? Yeah, Tony's... You know, and I can't really speak for Jimmy, like I say, because I've been gone for a while. But uh, Tony came back for our Hall of Fame ceremony. It happened to be an open date in the football season. So, you know, these guys get one week on, one weekend off. And Tony was nice enough to spend that weekend in Charleston because, again, it happened just to be aligned with an open date. Uh, he was back several years ago. We had a major fundraiser, and he was obviously the number one guest for that. Uh He's uh, spoken to the football team a time or two. Now, that was earlier in his career when he wasn't quite so famous, and he could come on campus, and, and you know, you, he didn't have the uh, cult following around him as he did later on. Um, now it gets a little bit tougher. Tony's got uh, three little boys, and uh, when he's not doing football on the weekend, he's bouncing around the country playing golf. So he's leading a, a pretty good life. But... Um, yeah, when, when these guys are asking, uh, there's a date open, they're more than willing to come back. In fact, Garoppolo, not that he's been back, but they're still an Eastern connection. He's still wearing the same backpack he wore at Eastern. It's got <laughs> the Eastern logo on it. And I think he could probably afford a new backpack, so that shows that he still has some connection to Eastern. David Kidwell, a longtime St. Louis Cardinal fan. I gave you an assignment when I talked to you earlier this week, and uh, I wonder if you... Uh, have any progress on that in finding another impact back for the Redbirds lineup? Well, you know, the last guy out there signed with Cincinnati, Castellano. Yeah. So I'm not sure there's anything left. So I, I think we're putting our eggs in all these young guys' baskets, and we're going to find out either people are going to love John Mosellock or by the middle of July uh, he's going to have to put on a mustache and his Groucho <laughs> Marx disguise because he's not going to be very popular in St. Louis if none of these guys come through. You know, they, they've just made a point of, of saving their young pitching wherever they can, and they're going to go forward with pitching, and, and they're not going to have a lot of hitting from the outfield, it doesn't look like. But pitching wins games, so that's their gamble. 
Well, you know, Lauren, and I know you're a Cardinal fan also, and, uh, of course, Flaherty and Hudson were really good last year. You know, I'd like to think Mike Miss is going to bounce back and have a better year. Wainwright, boy, if we get anything close out of him, I think you're going to be very fortunate. So yeah. I think, yeah, they're going to have to find a couple of younger guys that are going to fit in there because I'm not convinced they've got five starters that they can really count on day in and day out. Dave, we appreciate your time. Good to catch up with you. And uh, sometime when you're in Champaign kicking around, give us a call and we'll, uh, we'll catch up. Look forward to it. Thanks for the visit, Steve and Lauren. You bet. David Kidwell, former Sports Information Director at Eastern Illinois University at 1045. We'll take a break and be back with more. Phone line will be open, 356-9397 on Illini Pella Saturday Sports Talk. And as for the Brad Underwood Radio Show, Monday night, Papadell, 7 to 8. We'll take a look back at the Iowa game. Look forward to the game with Maryland coming up Monday night at 7. 1048, Illini Pella Saturday Sports Talk with Lauren Tate. I'm Steve Kelly with you until 11. Want to jump in? Feel free. 356-9397. Thanks to David Kidwell from EIU. Another name, a great name in EIU football history. I don't know that he went on to NFL level. I didn't get a chance to ask David, but Polk Cobb. Remember him, a running back? He, I do. I think he's their all-time leading rusher, but he okay. was, had one of those great uh, football names. My uh, hypothetical, in my mind, flag that I fly is flying at half-staff today. Because of the closing of Stone Creek Golf Course yesterday. <laughs> well, it, uh, yesterday was the last day of operation there. Sad to see that happen. Yeah. Um, what we've had is a dramatic change in the activities that young people participate in. And you don't have as many people playing golf, Steve. And we got an awful lot of golf courses in this area. In this near, you know, between Rantoul and Muhammad and Tuscola and locally, just too many golf courses. And I, I don't know how many are going to, uh, almost none of them would survive except that there's a special situation each place, whether it's in case of Urbana Country Club, you've got Khan who's backing that with his money. And, and it just as you go around, you, you go uh, Rantoul, you've got, Special situations over there that uh, it's not that no golf course is supporting itself. I, know I shouldn't say no. Most golf courses do not support themselves. I know all that, and it's still sad. <laughs> it certainly is. But what is not sad is the U of I golf course is open. There'll be guys out there today. Certainly, yeah. people playing uh, tomorrow, guys and gals. And on Monday, the weather looks good. Mike Walner and his staff. Uh, will make you feel at home, and the course is in pretty good shape considering uh, some of the dampness. So head on out because after Monday, the weather doesn't look very good again for a while. But we're in February now for you folks that like to get rounds in every month of the year. And February is the start of Illinois baseball. True. Wow. February the 14th is the first Imagine game. Imagine that. Well, they'll be in better weather than this. But um, when you practice indoors the whole time, I'm, I know I, I can speak from this from experience. When you go outside, it's different. They might it's just plain different. They could get outside uh, maybe today, tomorrow, on Monday a little bit, but uh, cause they're going to be back inside though <laughs> before they get uh, the season started. Five Big Ten games today, as we mentioned: Indiana at Ohio State, Michigan State at Wisconsin, Rutgers at Michigan, Penn State at Nebraska, Purdue at Northwestern. I got a series of questions about these games. I want to ask you first okay. of all. I want you to tell me who you think will win, and then I want you to tell me who you want to win. Kentucky at Auburn. 
<laughs> who do you want that's to win? A, who do you think will win? That's a no-brainer. The answer is the same for Okay, me. Kentucky and well, Kentucky. Well, for several reasons. <laughs> One, I'm the Kentucky grad, and two, the other guys coaching the other team. <laughs> you don't like pearls, do I you? do not. Okay, Texas Tech at Kansas. Texas Tech, a Final Four team last year at Kansas. Kansas and Kansas. Okay. Michigan State at Wisconsin. Who do you want to win? I want Wisconsin to win. I think Michigan State will win. Indiana at Ohio State. Same thing. I want Ohio State to win. I think Indiana will get them. Okay. Rutgers versus Michigan. That's at Michigan. I'd love to see Michigan win, but I think, uh, although Rutgers does not have a Big Ten road win yet. So, Is that right? Yeah. Okay. But I think Rutgers will win. They're, they seem to be legit. Okay. Uh, you know, I, I wonder about that. I just wonder if Rutgers can go in there and beat them. Rutgers doesn't have any superstar players. They don't, and they don't shoot foul shots very well if they ever come into a game like that. Simpson's been declared eligible, right? I mean, he can play in this game. Yeah. I am correct on that. I think I, so, yeah. Well, I, they announced it. I mean, I, I'm sure he's I, – I think he's going to play. So we got Penn State at Nebraska. I think Penn State wins that. I'd love to see Nebraska win it. But, uh, <laughs> see what you're doing here. I know what I'm doing. Every game is, is this yeah. is who I think will win, but it's, it's the other team that you think will win. And my next question. Who you want to win. My next answer is I don't care. <laughs> okay. What's your next game? I got one more. Purdue uh, at Northwestern. That's it. <laughs> <laughs> Same thing, right? Yeah, I don't, I don't really care. You want care. Northwestern yeah, to win. But I don't really care in that. I think Illinois has positioned themselves ahead of uh, Purdue and Northwestern in the Big Ten tournament pecking order, so it doesn't really matter to me, but those other games do. Okay. Well, I, that's all I've got, unless you want to do Bryant at St. Francis. Well, I've got the St. Francis all the way in that. <laughs> I'll, go, okay. I'll go with the whole home okay. team there. Okay. What, what about one other game? How about Illinois at Iowa? Ooh. I haven't seen a spread on that yet. Iowa's a fa- slight favorite, I think. Gotta be. And Let me look here real quick. Yeah. But, uh, it would be three or four points, I would say. I would think. Yeah, yeah no, that, nothing there on my source yet. They usually wait till. That's one shot, Steve, if it's three points. Oh, I understand. And I think uh, the way Illinois is playing defense and defending the, the ball on the arc, the way they've changed their defensive style from, from overplaying and Here's my next question. Denying. If Gonzaga and San Diego State, who are in the top five of the, of the poll, played in the Big Ten, how many road wins would they get? They played ten. You played ten games on the road. How many of the ten would they get? Would they win? That's a great question because I haven't watched either one of those teams well, enough I, to I know. know. Well, uh, Clee tells me they know that uh, right now there are a couple of injuries at Gonzaga and yeah. Tilly's hurt again. And Clee's a little biased. I know. Well, he is, but uh, he uh, the Tilly thing. You remember he was out last year. Mm-hmm. He's a great player. And uh, a tremendous pro prospect, but and what he's he's tall. I don't know how tall, six nine or so. Mm-hmm. And uh, he he's uh, he's hurt again, and and I, I don't think they know how long he's going to be out. But that that's a huge uh, impact. In fact, he uh, Clee said to me, uh, Dave, I said was that yesterday, that he doesn't think they'll win the national championship. They can't win it without him and another player who's injured. He said. Well, they haven't won one yet. They've had some no, good teams over the years. They, they've got a real shot at it this year. I mean, they've got just as good a shot as the next guy. I'll tell you what, it's it's uh, if they got everybody. wide open. 
Yeah, if they've got everyone. And that's the key. When you get in the tournaments, you got to have everybody healthy. You got to be lucky in the one point games, and you got to you got to hit shots. And, and you know, it's just anything can happen. And this year, more than any, anything can happen. Andy Katz has been on the Illinois bandwagon all season long, but he came out this week with a list of teams you don't want to play in the NCAA tournament. And the first one was Kentucky. The second one was Illinois. Mm-hmm. Rhode Island was in a game, and I can't tell you what happened exactly. I'd have to go back and look. I read it, but I can't remember. But there were there was a game like they might have had a twenty or thirty point turnaround, just bing bang boom. <laughs> you thought this one team had the lead, and then the next thing you know, the other team was on a run. So that 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 happens, and we've seen it happen. Moving up on ten fifty six, we'll take one final quick break and be back with some final words after this. Stay with us. It's Fighting Illini men's basketball on the road at Iowa on Super Bowl Sunday at noon. The tip-off will have Illini game day starting at 10.30 Sunday morning. A couple of minutes before 11 o'clock as we wrap things up on Illini Fellows Saturday Sports Talk. Lauren doing his research during uh, the break. It was some uh, big turnaround in the game you were talking about, Well, right? I, yeah, I don't know what happened, but... Uh, the Rams were ahead 63 to 35, and the next thing you know, it was 74 to 65. But I, uh, I, I'm just reporting what Dana O'Neill said about the game. That she, she says it's just really weird. Well, that's the old. But it's it's big. It's collegiate basketball in 2020. It just that's the way it happens. It does, and uh, the three-point shot certainly affects that. Something else, but don't have time to go into a lot of depth on this. But I saw this week kind of interesting. 247 Sports came out with uh, college football's best facilities right now. Yeah. And Ohio State, Michigan, and Northwestern were in the top 20, and so was Illinois at uh, number 11. With that, uh, That's what $80 million will do for you. You bet. On perking things up, Ohio State was fourth. Clemson has, according to this, the best football facilities in the country, followed by Oregon, Texas A&M, and Ohio State. But Illinois at number 11. Nebraska will move into that pretty soon when theirs is done. Yeah, well, we need to get some gold doorknobs. More more gold doorknobs. We'll put those on the studio here. That's going to take care of things on this edition. We appreciate you listening. Thanks to our guests, Chin Coleman, Illini assistant basketball coach, Scott Docterman, who covers Iowa for the athletic in Iowa City, Illinois Hall of Famer Kendall Gill, Will Leach from the Super Bowl, and EIU sports publicist, former SID David Kidwell. We appreciate it. For Lauren Tate, our producer, Blake Landa, I'm Steve Kelly on WDWS Champaign-Urbana. Go Illinois tomorrow at Iowa. We'll talk to you again soon. Have a great weekend, everybody.